Foundation. I'm Emily Vanderbush. And I'm Michelle Cordero. And this is Mass App. School choice for military families is an idea whose time has come, according to Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. DeVos recently voiced her support for education savings accounts for military families at this year's Conservative Political Action Conference. An education savings account would afford them much different dynamic and approach to be able to uh, get their education in the way that best works for them. And if they don't use it all up in one year, it can roll forward in that savings account to be used for future years. Wow. I think our military families deserve that. What do you think? A legislative proposal has also been introduced in the form of the Education Savings Accounts for Military Families Act by Representative Jim Banks of Indiana. Clearly, the idea is gaining momentum, and for good reason. In 2017, Military Times did a survey of its readers. In the survey, an astounding 35% of the respondents said that their dissatisfaction with their child's education was a significant factor in their decision to remain in or leave military service. 40% said that they have either declined or would decline a career-advancing job at a different installation to remain at their current military facility because of high-performing schools. To learn more about this issue, we sat down with the Heritage Scholar who proposed ESAs for military families last year, Lindsay Burke, who's the director of the Center for Education Policy and Will Skillman Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the specifics of your policy proposal, can you explain a little bit about what inspired you to take up this topic? Yeah, I mean, this is a really exciting opportunity. This is something that has education policy implications, but also national security implications. I mean, we know that a strong national defense depends on a well-supported military. And we also know at the same time that the schooling options that are available to military families can play a huge role in whether a family or a service member accepts an assignment. It can factor into decisions about whether they even remain or leave military service. So this is something that really does have a a national security implication uh, to it. And so it's something that we thought we could have a real um, voice in, an opportunity to reform through federal policy. So looking at military families, let's say that they find out that they're being relocated to a new state. What is the process when it comes to them finding a good school for their children? Yeah, well, I think military families face the challenges that every family faces, civilian families as well, that they are looking for a school that is the right fit for their child. But for military families, that challenge is compounded in a way that I don't think it is compounded in a lot of other uh, populations, and that military families are assigned to a duty station when they move state to state. And once they're assigned, they're usually then seeing their child also assigned to whatever public school is closest to where they purchase a home or on base in some cases. And so they have, I think, in, in some real way, even less choice than a lot of their civilian counterparts would have. And so they're getting assigned to their next duty station. They have volunteered to enter the service and are are getting moved around from state to state and then are, I think, seeing pretty quickly right off the bat that their children have very few options when it comes to where they attend school. So I read your report on this topic, and in it you say that more than half of all active duty military live in states with no school choice. 
What exactly does that mean? Can you explain this concept of school choice yeah, for yeah. listeners? So school choice is this broad term that we now use to encompass everything from a traditional, we can say traditional now, voucher option right. to a charter school option, a tax credit scholarship, and what we call is really kind of the new cool kid on the block in school choice policy, education savings accounts. Okay. And so this is something, the education savings account component of it, is where we really honed in for this particular proposal. And uh, just, you know, if, if um, listeners aren't aware of the mechanics of an ESA, ESAs, we like to think about it as, you know, if a voucher is a coupon, basically, to pay tuition, an ESA is like an Amazon gift card. <laughs> you okay. can pay your tuition, but you can also do all of these other education-related services for your child. So you can pay tuition, hire a private tutor, maybe you need an online course for your child, maybe your child needs special education services and therapies, you can pay for that, you can buy textbooks and curricula, you can even roll over unused funds year to year. And so ESAs have this level of flexibility um, that really is, I think, powerful for families who are trying to craft a, a real customized education for their child. So with an understanding of the problem and this idea of ESAs, can you lay out what is in your proposal, what, what you're suggesting? Yeah. So what we are suggesting is that children of active duty military families, eligible children, so uh, for many of those children, they would be kids who live um, on base with their parents, but some students who live off base as well, um, students who live in what are known as heavily impacted districts where there are lots of military families. Um, so well over 100,000 students. In uh, the proposal that we outlined, we say that instead of funneling money in a program known as Impact Aid, which is about a $1.3 billion program, instead of sending that directly to district schools and then assigning a child to that district school when their parents assign to a duty station, huh. instead take those funds and provide them directly to a family, if the family chooses, and provide it to a family in the form of an ESA and enable that parent to choose whatever educational options work for their child. Okay. So you touched briefly on the Impact Aid Program, but what exactly is that? You yeah. said it goes to the to the local schools, but... That's right. So Impact Aid, um, as I mentioned, it's a $1.3, roughly, billion-dollar yeah. program that we spend annually. It's a federal program. It's part of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. And it actually has a few different purposes, Impact Aid. Um, part of it is policymakers realized um, well over half a century ago that when you have a large federal presence military students, other federally connected children, Native American children who live on tribal lands, et cetera. So there's a federal presence that um, the tax property uh, or the property tax revenue in some cases is displaced. And so in order to, and if you read the law, in order to provide for the education of federally connected children, and I think that's critical, mm -hmm. Congress said years ago, let's provide additional federal funds. And so I harp on that component, provide education for federally connected children, because fundamentally, Impact Aid is a program designed to ensure those kids can get educated. And that brings us back to this whole idea that Milton Friedman had half a century ago that, yes, publicly fund education, but that does not mean that education has to be delivered through government schools. So let's separate the financing of education from the delivery of services. And that's what our proposal does. It recognizes uh, the need for these options uh, and for, for this funding that sends those dollars directly to military families. So what are the benefits of 
or I guess if you could summarize three benefits of providing school choice and ESAs yeah. for military families, what would you say? Yeah. First and foremost, <laughs> this is about ensuring children from military families can access learning options that work for them. And we know school choice works without a shadow of a doubt. Families who are empowered to choose education options that are the right fit for their children are happier by a long shot. Uh, they feel that their children are in safer learning environments, that they're accessing academic options that are a good fit for them, teaching styles that are the right fit for them. It goes on and on. And we see those benefits accrue in their academic attainment outcomes, so graduation rates in particular. So first, I would say the benefit fundamentally is about empowering families, which this does, to choose options that are a good fit. But second, I think there are some sort of downstream benefits from this proposal that could have tremendous positive benefits for DOD. Hmm. We know that for the Department of Defense to train a pilot uh, to the point where they are fully operational and can fly a plane that it costs anywhere from $6 million to about $9 million for a single pilot. Now, we also know that about 35% of military families have considered leaving military service altogether because of dissatisfaction with their child's educational options. So if we can provide these families with choice and reduce by just a small fraction the proportion of families or service members who think about leaving the service because of lackluster schooling options, that could save a tremendous amount in retraining costs for DOD. So that's a downstream benefit. Um, but also, the, the last thing I would say on the benefits, you asked for three. So yeah. number three, <laughs> the, the third benefit, if, if we can frame it as such, and, and I'll just say um, you, you get questions from time to time about what the impact might be on district schools. And so I think one benefit of this proposal is recognizing what a limited portion of a school district's budget generally impact aid represents. And so um, my colleague, Jonathan Butcher, just finished an analysis of school district budgets and impact aid funding and found that as a share of expenditures, the ESA proposal that we just outlined would affect 0.1% or less of district expenditures. So a rounding error, if we can right. even call it that. I mean, it is a very small proportion. And so that's well within the range of fluctuations that schools normally experience year to year with students exercising public school choice or you know, switching districts or even homeschooling. And so it's going to have a really negligible, if any, impact on district budgets, at least right off the bat, but can be life-changing for the students who use an ESA. And so, I mean, those are three, I think, really important benefits that uh, we can't emphasize enough. Well, that's very interesting research. We're excited to follow this topic as it, as it evolves. We're really excited about it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode of Mass Ave. If you're interested in reading more of Lindsay's research on ESAs for military families, we'll link to a couple of pieces in our show notes. And if you like today's podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave us a comment on Facebook or iTunes and let us know what you think. And join us next week where we're going to be talking about electromagnetic pulse attacks. Mass Ave is produced by Michelle Cordero and Emily Vanderbush, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.